eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? Good. Morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. Um, that was pretty rough time. We'll try to uh, figure out what that means. Time. I'm not sure how much fun this is going to be. Time, whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24/7 podcast. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here, very very early on a Sunday morning. I think. This doesn't set the record, but I think this might come in second for the latest time that we have recorded a podcast. Although I guess you could say one of the earliest times because of what time it is on Sunday morning, which I'd rather not say because uh, it's sad. Not just me on this podcast, though. Uh, Also here in Knoxville, thanks to uh, Arkansas's understandable COVID restriction policy, it's Ryan Callahan from his uh, house with the clown car full of children. Ryan, what's up? What's up, man? Those, uh, the clown car full of kids uh, all in bed, of course, because it's that crazy of an hour, but you know. How loud would I have to yell right now to wake them up? Uh, pretty loud, hopefully. Okay. Hopefully. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll not test that too much, but yeah, I don't, I don't think that's an issue. We'll, we'll just go to our master's voices since that's coming up next week. Um, yeah, Ryan. Tennessee fans might want to talk about the Masters and so yeah, what happened Saturday night. I, I'm, I'm trying to provide some levity here um, because it's been a – a long week, an emotional week for a lot of people for a lot of reasons, and uh, what Tennessee did uh, in this game did not help. Uh, Tennessee lost at Arkansas 24-13 to on Saturday night at Donald W. Reynolds Razorback Stadium, which is still way too long of a name, but that's okay. That's how it goes. Tennessee had a 13 to nothing lead in the first half, or, or going into the break at halftime. Things going pretty well. Um, maybe not perfectly, but Tennessee had a plan, was executing it. Things were okay. Then the worst third quarter team in the history of ever uh, took the field to start the second half, and things did not go well. Arkansas, 24 consecutive points there in just a brutal, brutal third quarter. Jarrett Garantano for Tennessee, starting quarterback, knocked out of the game. Vols went to a couple other quarterbacks, never really found any success moving the ball through the air. And Ryan, uh, after 
five weeks ago, I guess you would say, Tennessee sitting there as a 2-0 football team, knew the schedule was, was going to get tougher, knew there were some challenges ahead. I could not in my wildest dreams have predicted that Tennessee would get blown out by Kentucky at home and then go to Arkansas, first-year coach Sam Pittman, and lose. Not good. Not good, and uh, yeah, like like you said, losing to a first year coach there in a program that has has definitely been down the the, the past couple of years or past few years really uh, before this, uh, and, and to see Sam Pittman how quickly he has had an impact, obviously on what what they've uh, what they've done in Arkansas, turning things around so quickly, and and now for Tennessee in year three under Jeremy Pruitt to be. Uh, effectively taking a step back from where they were last year. I mean, they were eight and five last year after that second half turnaround. And, you know, there was some hope going into this game coming out of an, an open date. You know, Jeremy Pruitt's teams have been good coming out of open dates the, the past two years and, and played better after last year's open date, obviously, and turned things around, you know, for this to, to come at, after that, you know, I think there was some hope from fans that maybe this year's open date, at the halfway point of the season helps to turn things around, gives them a chance to press the reset button. The first half of the game, you know, certainly looked that way. I thought we saw a better effort from Tennessee. They were running the ball, kind of sticking to what they did well and, and got ahead, got, got their defense playing in a, in a, in some favorable situations and, and kept Arkansas in check. And then the second half, it just, the, the, the wheels come off and, and just a complete 180. And this team's third quarter struggles just continue to, leave you scratching your head but uh that's a tough spot to be in obviously that this was the well i thought a pivotal game on the schedule and what we certainly would not have thought that you know as we talked about this week going into the season with the way arkansas looked you know coming off uh, the past couple of years having not won an sec game the, the past couple of years and, and just how quickly arkansas has turned things around and, and the way they looked the first half of the season it looked like this was a swing game for both teams uh, an opportunity for Arkansas, a, a must win for Tennessee. And, and now that they've lost this one, uh, it's, it, it's obviously it's not looking all that positive for Tennessee with some tough games still ahead. Texas A&M next week, Auburn after that, Florida, you know, likely the SEC East champion potentially uh, waiting at the end of the regular season. It's a, it, it's a bleak outlook right now for Tennessee after, after that one. And they've got a lot to figure out obviously about where they go from here. Yeah, the, the numbers from the third quarter are some of the most baffling things that, that I have ever seen. And, and, and I think it, it's easy in this, in this era. A lot of times, you know, we live in this culture where, where people, things have to be extreme, right? You, you have to say this is the best or worst thing that I've ever seen, when in reality, most things are somewhere in the middle. Tennessee's third quarter at Arkansas Saturday night was one of the most awful quarters of football that I that I've ever seen from a team to put this in perspective guys Arkansas had 257 total yards of offense in the third quarter 257 yards of total offense in one quarter in a 60-minute game you do that four quarters you've got more than a thousand yards of total offense in one freaking game Tennessee in the third quarter by the way had 16 yards of total offense Zero for three on third down. Um, the offense and the defense, it was quite the disaster on both sides. And, and I understand that Jared Garantano got hurt midway through that third quarter. And I, I think we have, to, we have to mention that in fairness. If you want to be objective about this, you have to say 
that is something that's not good for Tennessee. But the lack of a plan for what would happen in the aftermath of losing Garantano is is just it's inexcusable, really. Um, Tennessee took three quarterbacks to that game. J.T. Shrout did not travel. Uh, they took Brian Maurer and Harrison Bailey, and you know, in addition to Garantano. Garantano goes down. They had been pretty conservative offensively anyway, um, and I understand that because Arkansas has a pretty bad run defense and creates a lot of turnovers um, on pa- in passing defense. So, so that that made sense, right? If you're Tennessee, you've had trouble turning the ball over. That's led to problems. Arkansas does not stop the run well. So naturally, you say, "Hey, man, let's go ahead and uh, let's run the ball." Makes sense. But when the tide turned in that game and there was absolutely no response from Tennessee, absolutely no threat through the air, baffling decisions about who was in the game when, what calls were made, everything about that second half, except for maybe a couple of good pressures from the defense, was a disaster, Ryan. It was just a disaster. It, it was. and there, There's really no way to, to, to put a positive spin on it. Uh, it, it's a game that I think once you felt like Arkansas got ahead, you thought this is about to get away from Tennessee. And, and I, I didn't necessarily expect a blowout, but I, it just didn't feel like Tennessee was going to bounce back and win that game. It felt like essentially Tennessee had a game plan that they went in, executed well in the first half, kind of controlled the half. Arkansas wasted a scoring opportunity in the first half, obviously. Um that, that made a big difference in a 13, nothing game. But after that, Arkansas comes back in the second half and has a counter punch. They make some adjustments or they just play better at the line of scrimmage. You know, I have to go back and kind of look at what they did there to really slow down Tennessee, but they started winning at the line of scrimmage, slowing down Tennessee's run game. And once they did that, it was like the game was over. Tennessee had no answers offensively after that. Uh, their defense started giving up some some bigger plays. Felipe Franks made made some things happen, and and it just it just snowballed on them because they they started having three and outs and short drives. So their defense probably got gassed in the third quarter there, and and Arkansas just kept coming back and scoring every time they got the ball. And like you said, I, it's one of the worst quarters I can remember that didn't involve a turnover. Uh, that's the amazing thing about that. Twenty four nothing. You got outscored in the third quarter. And it wasn't because of a turnover or anything super disastrous like that. You just got completely whipped on both sides of the ball. So uh, for that to have happened as quickly as it did, it was just stunning. I just kind of looked up the end of the third quarter and was like, what just happened? I mean, this game was not well in hand for Tennessee, but you felt like this was a game Tennessee was going to be able to win if they just continued to play relatively well in the second half and, and took care of the ball. And then at the end of the third quarter, it, it's, it's like they're going to have to come up with a miracle to, to bounce back from, from what just happened in that one period. So uh, baffling, but that's, that's kind of how fragile this team is. I, I feel like they just have to execute so well and, and play almost perfectly at what they do that when things don't go well, it can get away from them in a hurry. And, and we saw that tonight and it didn't have anything to do with turnovers or anything else. They just, they just got whipped on both sides of the ball and had no answers. By a team that has a first year coach, who was brought in to replace someone who had been a two-year disaster of a hire. Um, 
and I think we have to be honest about that. Uh, Sam Pittman, hey, I've, we've all covered Sam Pittman, right? He, former Tennessee assistant, great dude, man. Everybody loves Sam Pittman. Uh, but he he had that job for a reason, and Arkansas went to him, a guy who'd never been a coordinator, for a reason uh, because this is, you know, it's a tough job right now. Uh, there are some players there. Getting Franks as a transfer is nice. There, there's no doubt about that. He's a solid player. Um, but there is just no excuse for what happened in the second half of that game. And Garantano's ex- absence, not enough of an excuse. Uh, Alante Taylor not playing, not enough of an excuse. Latrell Bumpus getting hurt, not enough of an excuse. I, I just I, – I'm struggling to find a time where I can remember a worse coached half of football. And, and I say that as someone who – has put a lot of belief, a lot of faith in Jeremy Pruitt. I think the guy could be a good head football coach. I really do believe that. I I honestly still kind of believe that. I, I, I think there is potential there. But the complete lack of a plan B when you had an open date the week before is just bad. It's just bad. I mean, the plan A for Tennessee was a really good plan A. You run the ball. You be careful with it. You you play some defense, and that's how you can beat Arkansas because you don't want to mess around throwing the ball too much because they can make some plays on the back end. We all know that. They got a bunch of interceptions, one of the best pass efficiency rating defenses in, in the country. But when things started to go south and they had no adjustment for it, no answer for it, no response for it, they coached scared in that game. And this is one of the things, Ryan, that I have said more than anything else in, in probably, you know, you and I have worked together for more than a decade now, and I've been covering Tennessee for 20 years, and something that I've said probably more than anything else is if you coach with a pair, your team usually plays with a pair. And if you don't, your team won't. And they just coached scared in that game. I, I don't – maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there is a reason that I don't understand that is above me that – needs to be made clear to me and then I'll go okay I was wrong but looking at it now I just think they coached scared in that game they're terrified I see I I maybe you can point to some specific things about that that that's that really bothered you because I that's not what necessarily bothered me the most about that game it's just I feel like again this this team just has I feel like has such a narrow path to victory in some cases they have to do so many things right because i think what it comes down to is they're how, just how is it enough. like that how is it like that against arkansas I, how is that the I, case yeah I, I well so arkansas i think what they do defensively causes some real problems you know they drop you know dropping eight, eight guys into zone coverage forces you to be really smart with the ball it it, it, it begs you to, to to be conservative with it and, and do what harrison bailey did on the final drive of the game which is check down to your running back or whoever's right there across the middle and just take what you can get. Uh, and it also begs you to run the ball uh, in Arkansas, you know, in the second half, they, they, they did what they needed to do. They, they started cheating to one side of the line on some, on some plays, figuring out where Tennessee was running a lot of times that, that helped them, I think. Um, and you know, what, whatever they did to, to control the line of scrimmage, it worked and Tennessee, you know, essentially had no, no real counter punch there. And that, that's, that's what's, disappointing to to Tennessee fans I'm sure is that you know it was as simple as that stop the run and game was over uh and part of the problem there is I I just feel like Tennessee's offense really on both sides of the ball you could say this I just don't feel like they have enough difference makers and this this is this is 
and if what I'm saying is, is true, I think it goes back to recruiting and obviously player development. But I just feel like, in, you know, in year three, I thought this roster would have more players they could rely on to make big plays. It didn't hurt Tennessee that much in the first couple of games of the year that they didn't have Juwan Jennings and Marquez Callaway. I feel like recently we're seeing much more that without those guys out there that have bailed them out so many times the past few years, they don't have go-to players. And that's really costing them. Josh Palmer, obviously, has made some nice plays this year. He's been the go-to guy for Garantano. If other teams take him away, I just don't feel like Tennessee has any answers. Their run game, they're, they're still not breaking enough tackles, making enough explosive plays at, at running back. They are, leaving yard, they're, they are leaving yards on the field there. They definitely are. Yeah. Ty Chandler was out, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe he could have helped some, but I, I just, you know, Eric Gray had a, had a solid game. I, I, you know, got a lot of opportunities, obviously it was pretty productive, but again, just not, not breaking off big chunks of yardage. And when you have to drive 14 plays at a time, it just forces you to be perfect. And it's hard. It's a hard way to live in this modern game where everyone's so explosive and can put, put up so many points quickly. Look how Arkansas scored its points, long plays uh, on a couple of those drives. So that's, that that's the key. You've got to find ways to make those plays. Tennessee had the way, had some ways to make plays like that the past couple of years this year. I just feel like they don't. And that makes it so once teams make adjustments or once they figure out a way to slow them down, get some pressure on them, disrupt things, it just gets them off their game and it, and it makes it easier to slow them down because they don't have a, a way to answer with explosive plays. So I, I feel like it goes back to talent uh, in, in a lot of cases. And I, they've got some young talent on this team that maybe will be ready to be those types of players in the future, but right now they're young and, and guys like Jalen Hyatt, Harrison Bailey, you know, they're, they're just not ready to be the present yet. And without that, I just feel like this roster hasn't had enough answers personnel wise when teams, you know, out scheme them essentially or out or out execute them. To that point, uh, Tennessee had two plays of 20 yards or longer. The longest play Tennessee had in the game was a 24-yard catch by Brandon Johnson. The second longest play Tennessee had in the entire football game was a 20-yard scramble from Jarrett Garantano. That that was that? that was Tennessee's second longest play from scrimmage in that game. Uh, Eric Gray <laughs> did have 100. Eric Gray did have 160. I know NBC here 150 uh, total yards uh, from scrimmage, but he, he he had 34 touches to do that. So. Uh, this is a guy who's made big, big plays before. I, I don't. I know Chandler's speed is something that you can get him out there and he can make a play. Um, but they just they can't. They're not taking the top off of defenses enough. They're they're not making enough guys miss. There's just there's no explosiveness there. But still, there's got to be a way to scheme more than that. You. It's not like these guys are are horrible football players. I don't I don't believe that. I think there's more there, but they they just it looked to me like they just wanted to manage that game. They kept wanting to manage the game. And I yeah. saw that against Bama too. They were trying to manage the game because they're terrified of these turnovers. They are. They're terrified and and they're they're not taking chances. They're they're enough of them. They're, they're just I I just remember early this season Jeremy Pruitt said very clearly we're not going to coach scared at Tennessee. We're not going to play scared at Tennessee. That's not who we are. That, that's a paraphrase of his quote, but that is the exact gist of what he said. And, and we're seeing right now, the past couple years, these guys took some chances. They did. They were aggressive in games. That Right now, I just – man, I don't, I, I don't know, Ryan. I, I'm kind of at a loss for, for where they are. And I think it's starting to affect a lot of things. Late in the game – Jeremy Pruitt 
decided against going uh, kicking the field goal that would have put them within one score uh, with about four minutes and 45 seconds or so left in the game. That would have been a 42-yard attempt, I think. They were at the 25-yard line. He said that it was too long to kick because well, Brent Magley was dinged up. Well, he was dinged up going into the game, and he hit a 50-yarder and a 48-yarder. So uh, that, to me... I don't know if he just misspoke or if he didn't. I, I, I can't get a good answer on that yet. But uh, that decision, especially when Harrison Bailey had not yet thrown a pass in that game, to to call a pass there, uh, I just I don't understand what the thought process was there. And, and I didn't understand why they weren't trying to hurry up a little bit more later in the game. I, I just – there were so many things – this team used to get beaten because it got out-athleted, you know? Other guys had mm-hmm. better players. I, I, I don't know exactly that that has been the case against Kentucky and Arkansas. I think they have been they, – they've looked poorly coached, Ryan. And I, 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 maybe, that, maybe that's unfair, but I, I, don't, I don't see any other way to put it. They just I, – I, they, they've not looked well-coached. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's fair. I, I think I think there are a few things that you can point to. You know, I, I think one of the things that one of the areas in which I think they've not looked well coached, and this has been an, an issue at times off and on throughout the season, mostly on defense. They have too many substitution or alignment issues that result in them taking timeouts uh, that are unnecessary. They get to the goal line and they're going to use Eric Gray out of a wildcat package play clock's running down. They have to call timeout, and, and we see Jeremy Pruitt kind of getting it on Chris Winkie as they go to commercial. Uh, you know, things like that continue to happen. It's been more on defense this year where they've had these uh, several timeouts in similar situations with substitution problems, but they had things to, like that. Did, didn't they have to take one? They had to take one on a third down in the third quarter, I think, at some point. And late in the game, that could have been a big deal. Yeah, and, and so things like that is where I, I would definitely agree they've, they've not looked very well coached at times in, in that area in particular. And like you said, like the aggression thing is weird because I feel like Jeremy Pruitt was aggressive in years one and two. And I don't think we've seen that as much this year. And when we have, it's been sort of at odd times, maybe, maybe almost misguided aggression where, you know, I, I, I just didn't like his explanation of why he kicked the field goal there. Yeah. Down that, 11. That, that, I, that, that, that did not sound good. I think the reason if you're kicking, if you're not kicking the field goal there, I think the reason would be, you know, we're at the 23 or 25 yard line, whatever it was. I want to take a shot there at scoring a touchdown because we've got to have a touchdown and a field goal either way. I felt like we needed to go ahead and take a shot at the touchdown because we were already pretty close. And, and, you know, it, that's, and, and it was fourth and manageable. And it was fourth and manageable. So, I, you know, instead of fourth and 10, you had a four, fourth and six. Fourth and five, fourth and maybe, four. something like that. Yeah. yeah so, I, whatever it was, if, if, you, if that's your logic, I can live with that. If it's because the kick's too long, you know, that's, that's fans are not going to like hearing that especially when Samaglia had hit a 50 and a 48 yarder early in the game now obviously he's been dealing with a, uh, an injury that was an issue uh, to the point where he mentioned you know there was a, maybe some question as to whether he would be on the 70 man travel roster yeah he, he was wearing uh, he was wearing point. a sleeve on one of his legs yeah so I, I, obviously that's a factor and you, you never know things like that can tighten up during the game or, or, or become more of an issue so maybe that really was a, a thought but at the same time I, I think that logic's hard to square with you know, the situation there, because you need a touchdown, you need a field goal. Why not take the field goal and and keep yourself in the game instead of making it really difficult for you to come back with an incomplete pass on, as you said, Harrison Bailey's first throw of the game. That's a really tough spot to make your first throw. 
Uh, made and a pretty it, good throw, even and, under the circumstances. But and if they got ne- popped up, yeah, if they needed a second field goal, there it may have been a longer attempt later in the game. I mean, right? You know, you're usually oftentimes you're trying to push just to get to the cusp of field goal range at that point. I I just I, I don't I I don't I, I don't understand some of the things that are happening right now. And normally, you know, the past couple of years, I've seen the, the, the staff and some of the mistakes in games. And I've said, you know what? I, I see what they were doing there. Even, you know, in the first quarter, I mean, I think it was the first quarter where they, uh, on a third and long, they tried to throw a screen pass to, to Hyatt. And people are saying, why are you doing that? And I'm saying, well, look at the play. You know, if Brandon Johnson, I think it was Brandon Johnson, makes a block on the perimeter, maybe Hyatt gets into space there. I mean, I understand that. There were just some decisions, and there have been more decisions this season that have made me go, I don't know what's happening. And and I know that it's been a weird year with COVID, but, you know, everyone's had to deal with it. So, I, you know, this team has a, had a fifth-year senior quarterback uh, until, I guess, he got hurt in the second half of this game, brought back some experience on the offensive line, uh, brought back uh, most of your rushing yardage from the past season, um, brought back some some key players on defense and special teams. It's just not been good enough. And and I, it, to the point that, you know, how many times now in the past few weeks have people begged to see a different quarterback and it got ugly enough tonight that people were, you know, we're, we're talking about Jarrett Garantano being out as a reason they lost this game yep. uh, because of what they have at quarterback behind him and how they looked tonight. Uh, I just, you know, Brian Maurer playing the way he did when he came in there, you know, I know they had sort of a, it sounded like they had sort of a zone read package in for him this week. I don't think they were planning for him to be the guy at any point, uh, but, but you've got to be ready for that at the same time. He's, he's the backup. Uh, it sounds like, and, or was coming into this game. They're looking for and more he, ways to run the ball against Arkansas because Arkansas's rushing defense isn't good. Sure. And, and, and Maurer finishes 0 for four passing and, and has two carries for three yards. You know, that, that's what he, he played as long as he did and got three yards of production out of him. That, that's, that's just not good enough. And, and that's, I think it all, it, it's, it's oversimplifying probably in a way, but so much about, about college football and in football in general goes back to the quarterback position that I think everything just continues to amplify what we thought from the beginning. It starts with quarterback, you know, that Tennessee's not right at quarterback and that makes everything else much harder to do well. Arkansas's got um, a decent one, and look what that's done. Yeah, that's. I mean, that really is. It, it almost is that simple uh, in a lot of ways. And the fact that you know, again, without Garantano, they looked just rudderless out there uh, until Bailey. You know, with with a two minute offense, you know, obviously down by eleven, had, had a had a nice drive there where he dinked and dunked down the field, not fast enough, obviously, but at least got them in the position to have a chance to score there in the final seconds. And that was progress uh, after not having much offense at all in the second half. But, you know, it, it leaves you wondering what, where Tennessee turns next. You know, they've got Texas A&M next week. They've got, uh, they've got some tough games ahead. Who's the best guy for the rest of the season? Is it still Garantano if he's healthy? Uh, is, is there any chance they explore some other option? Uh, do, do you eventually give Bailey a look? You know, I, I don't know where they go next because all we know at this point is this staff seems to have really soured on JT Shroud. He wasn't even on the travel roster for this game. Yeah. Brian Maurer did not play well Saturday night. Um, is, is Jared Garantano the only guy they feel like they can play right now? Do they, do they give someone else a look? And, and can they fix this offense in time You know, with only four games left? What can they do to make this a better offense? They've just had way too many stretches of ineffective play for me to think they, and, and, and not imaginative enough either. I think I would, I would say that about this offense. I'm really disappointed that, 
I mean, not that, not that you have to just drum up a bunch of wild wrinkles, but I, I just feel like they have not used everything in their arsenal to their full advantage. You know, they've got Jimmy holiday and some other guys they could use in some special packages. You know, when, when things get desperate, try some different things. Don't, don't just stick with what's, with what you normally do and, and, and keep it vanilla. I, I feel like they've not gotten creative in some cases and, and, and why not try some different things at this point? You know, you, you with your point right there, which was a really good one, you were sh- really eating into what I wanted to talk about in the second segment <laughs> of, this, of this episode. So, so, so we're going to go to break now. We're going to come back and I'm going to pick up on that thought because I have some thoughts and questions and concerns about that too. And we need to figure out, you know, we've talked about what went wrong against Arkansas now we got to talk about where the hell this thing goes moving forward um, because there is there, there are still four games to play. There's still a lot out there, uh, some some great opportunities, um, but also some 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 tough looking games now, especially my my God, Florida's offense, A&M's offense. I mean, it could be it could be rough. Uh, so there's some stuff we got to discuss, and we're gonna we're gonna pick up on that here in the second segment after we come back from break. Hashtag ad. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever, uh, whatever, whatever podcast, whatever products, ads, services, all kinds of other things. It's a really bad Really, really bad intro for me for the second segment here. What a really terrible bumper. Uh, you know, Ryan, should we just let it go because this was such a horrible game for Tennessee, so this matches it? Yeah, what it's do you fitting. think? Yeah, we'll just go back and do that. Uh, but this is Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Ryan Callahan coming to you uh, from across town. We're both in Knoxville because of uh, Arkansas's uh, and CBS, our, our parent company. Also, there's some some COVID travel restrictions and things going on in our world. Patrick Brown, our coworker, was there, um, but it's already so late, and he's got to travel again tomorrow. That's a long travel day, so uh, we decided to to give him the night off from this because he's already had enough on his plate. And I don't think we needed to 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 see. You know, we didn't have to necessarily be there to see exactly some of the things that went wrong in that game. Um, but Ryan, one thing that that I really want to talk about. 
after I mention this, uh, I really want to talk about what's going on with Tennessee's offense because I, I, there are so many questions there. Before we do that, though, I'm going to ask you, please, guys, please go in there. Take a second. Please, please go in there and subscribe and rate and review this podcast. Wherever you can cast a fine pod, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, wherever you can wherever you can cast a fine pod, you can find the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We do this for free, and we're happy to do it. Um, and normally our transitions into second segments are better than this, but that's okay. Um, but the one thing we're going to ask is if you could please go in there, rate, review, subscribe. Uh, that would help us a lot. Uh, it's the, it's just the best thing to, to keep this thing growing. It's been growing at such a rapid rate. We're happy. It's awesome to see. I see this every week. It's great. The numbers are awesome. But I think we can do more, uh, a lot more going forward still. And I think if y'all would uh, continue subscribing, rating, and reviewing, that's one of the quickest ways to get us to do that. Ryan, one thing I really want to talk about is something you touched on late in, in the first segment there, which was Tennessee's lack of creativity on the offensive side of the ball. And I, I think back to a few years ago when uh, Saban at Alabama started to – they were still good, um, but they started to look maybe a little bit stale offensively and some things were, were not – you know, uh, Saban had some problems with the tempo, teams going so fast, doing stuff on offense, and him saying, is this the kind of football, is this what we want football to be? But then he threw his hands in the air and said, you know what, this is what it is. I got to find some guys who do that. So, you know, brings in Lane Kiffin. Now he's got, you know, Sark. You know, they, they've tried some different things there. Uh, Nussmeyer, some different guys offensively. They've recruited uh, to a different kind of player in some way. So they can still ram it at you. But really they, they open it up and do a lot of tempo things, creative things. And one concern I had about Tennessee's offense from the beginning when Jeremy Pruitt got to Tennessee was that I don't think Tennessee – can just line up and be totally conventional and with the talent it has right now, be really good. I think it has to have kind of a a niche. It kind of has to do something a little bit different um, because if you just want to play kind of straight up traditional stuff with the, with the talent you have in this league right now, I don't know that that's the the best thing for Tennessee to be doing. And I I just see the, the game of football is changing you know, and and look at don't don't just look at Tennessee, Arkansas on Saturday. Hell, look at Georgia, Florida. Look at that game, because Georgia, Florida's got some really nice players. the The Kyles are great players. They've got some good players there, but they do some different stuff. They they play the game in the way that a lot of offenses do it now. Whereas Georgia, I still think has a better roster than Florida, but it's not. Not a great situation at quarterback right now, and there's nothing super creative about that offense. And and so when Florida starts piling on points, Georgia really has no response for it. And I, I keep seeing this with Tennessee. I know everything, Ryan. I know everything would look better with a more dynamic quarterback. But I, I just I wonder why there's no creativity there. The game of football is changing, and I love Jim Chaney. Awesome dude. His resume speaks for itself as a coordinator. Um, and, and, you know, as an offensive coordinator, you're not the head coach. So, so I don't know if there's some things that he wants to do. And, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know that. I, I don't know the ins and outs of that, Ryan. But what I do know is that the game of football is changing, and I don't think Tennessee's offense is changing enough with it. And when you're trying to compete with the talent they have against the SEC right now, it, it's tough. 
Yeah, I, I think that's a that's a fair concern. And I, I would say this, you know, I, I don't think you have to just do what everybody else is doing. And I don't think you have to be different for the sake of being different. You know, that the, the sure, idea sure, of having yeah. an unconventional offense was kind of what a lot of people said, especially after one after week one this season. Uh, why a lot of people said, hey, Mike Leach would be a good fit at Tennessee. Well, how's that looking at Mississippi State right now? I mean, true. They're not I mean, playing I mean, so well. I mean, give, um, give him time to, to, to get his kind of guys in there because sure, they have a different right. offense, but still. but still. And that's agreed. And that's, and that's kind of where I'm headed with this. I think my problem with this is not necessarily with what Tennessee is doing. It's what they're continuing to do with the talent they have. I feel like they still don't have really the pieces to do what, would work in a traditional Jim Chaney offense in the type of system Jeremy Pruitt wants to run at Tennessee. You know, he's been looking for that bigger back since he got to Tennessee. You know, he thought he had it in year one with Jeremy Banks, you know, that he ended up moving to defense. They, they really haven't gotten that bigger back yet. You know, they've got D Beckwith and, and T Hodge back there. They're, they're working to develop and get ready, but they're not ready yet. Uh, Lenith Whitehead is also on the roster has had injuries, you know, that they've been searching for that. So they don't have that element of what, you know, that type of offense he would like to have. So they've got some smaller backs now, slightly smaller, um, that, that don't in some ways don't exactly fit perfectly. You know, you, you can have those guys, but as a changeup, ideally, you know, you'd have, you'd have a smaller guy and a bigger guy. I think if Jeremy Pruitt was doing exactly what he wanted to do, um, I think he'd like to have some better speed and size, top to bottom on the roster at wide receiver. I think they're starting to get that now with this freshman class. They've got the speed in a better situation with Jalen Hyatt, Jimmy Callaway, Jimmy Holiday. They've got a guy like Malachi Weidman who's coming on that I think is going to be really good uh, and certainly has the talent to be really good. So they're, they're getting that there, but it's year three. And, and I feel like they had to kind of adjust, you know, mid midstream on, on some of this stuff and, and, and maybe, get the roster where they want it to be. And so I feel like in you look back at that first recruiting class or two, I, I, don't, I don't feel like they're getting enough out of that, those classes, especially on the offensive side of the ball, you know, quarterback, they obviously haven't gotten that position, right. Let, let's call it what it is. They had, um, they had Michael Penix and, and Adrian Martinez committed when Jeremy Pruitt took the job. Uh, well, actually it, Martinez, uh, you know, decommitted around that time and, and they, they still maybe had a chance to get him back in the class. Uh, I don't know what they went, all out to, to get him back. And then, and then they, you know, essentially kick Penix to the curb uh, before early signing day. It's not looking good that he's going to, he's in Indiana and having some success. Now Martinez has been, you know, okay. at Nebraska, not, not a world beater by any means, but those guys both frankly look better than what they've gotten out of JT Shrout uh, in that class, Brian Maurer in the 2019 class. And it just hasn't, hasn't worked uh, so far. So you're not getting enough out of that position and that makes everything else look worse. But I just feel like they haven't quite gotten the ideal pieces to run their offense. And yet they're still running it exactly the way they would if they had those perfect pieces. And so I feel like that's why you'd see the lack of creativity standing out. I feel like that's why you need to get more creative because you don't have the perfect pieces for your system right now, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I'm not saying to go out there and just, you know, if you want to quote uh, what Bud Kilmer from from Varsity Blues, is the circus in town? You know, we run the oop de oop. Well, what is this? I mean, you know, Arkansas tried some different stuff uh, in the game. Some of it worked. Some of it 
like rather hilariously backfired if we're being honest they had one drive that you could have accompanied to benny hill music but but still they're out there trying things and 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 i think if you're tennessee right now my concern when jeremy pruitt got there offensively was that i think you're not gonna just do what georgia and alabama do and beat those kinds of teams at their own game when your players aren't as good as theirs Completely it, agree. It's just hard to do that. And, and I'm, you know, I'm the same guy who said for years that Vanderbilt should run a triple option. I, I just, you know, l- like the way that, that that old Georgia Tech offense, you know, with Paul Johnson and stuff like that, like a service academy type deal. You know, and Tennessee very clearly does not have to do that. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that, but I am saying I don't think you can just say, okay, here's the blueprint for Alabama and Georgia, so this is what we're going to do right now at Tennessee, and, and things are going to be okay. If you come in like Saban did and recruit the way he did with that just home run first class that he had, okay, go on, man. You got it. You're good. But 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 they don't – Tennessee doesn't have that. Uh, and it's not like – and we keep talking about Alabama and Georgia. Hell, Tennessee's lost to Kentucky and Arkansas. And I, I just – I don't want to sit here and say that there's no hope. You know, you look at that old uh, – that, that old uh, Derek Dooley door inside the complex, that opportunity is now here or opportunity is nowhere. I'm not saying opportunity is nowhere. I, 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 I'm not there yet. But uh, this right now is very clearly the most concerning part of the Jeremy Pruitt era at Tennessee. And there's no kind way to put that. There's no soft way to put that. Uh, it, it's just not where you want to be in your third year of a program. And it, it, it's... Some things got to change. You know, Jeremy Pruitt went over and, and changed Jimmy Brumbaugh, the defensive line coach, and he's coaching that position now. And uh, okay, but, but I mean, wh- what, what can they do now? What can they do in these final four weeks to go out there and put a better product on the field? Because if they don't, I'm going to tell you right here and right now, A&M and Florida are going to be horrible games. I mean horrible, like name your score horrible because Tennessee still can't stop a slant route to for anything, which is shocking to me. But they've got to do something because they can't just manage this problem away. You know, it, it, it's not it's worse than I thought it was because they didn't turn the ball over until the fourth quarter, I guess, of this game. And, and you know, one was at the, the last play of the game. One was, you know, a fourth down where they're trying to score late in the game. Oh, okay, but but they still – it's just not in a good place right now, and I'm not sure exactly what they can do, if anything, to salvage where this thing is right now for this season. Yeah, and that, that's the tough part about this for fans. You know, you're trying, to, you're trying to look for silver linings, look for light at the end of the tunnel here in a, in a tough stretch, and – boy, it's just not going to get any easier. And that's, that's why this was such a pivotal game, I thought, because you win this one, okay, 5-5 five and five is very much on the table. If you can get to 500 in all-conference play in an unusual year, you know, that, that keeps things afloat. Uh, you know, now you're likely looking at a losing record. And 4-6, and six, frankly, if you, if you offered that to Tennessee right now, I think they'd take it in a heartbeat. You know, if you get a win somewhere else, maybe Auburn and then Vanderbilt, out of these last four, you know, that would be a, a solid finish, honestly, under the circumstances. Because like you said, Texas A&M and Florida look like they're, uh, you know, te- Texas A&M, it looks like it's on its way to the playoff if, yeah. if it takes care of business. Yep. Florida is on its way to the SEC championship game if it takes care of business. Those two teams are putting up a lot of points. 
Uh, Texas A&M just put it on South Carolina Saturday night, a team that Tennessee obviously had a had a dogfight against at the start of the season. So you're going to have a tough time winning either of those games. So four and six looks like the ceiling now, uh, unless you pull a major upset, and that's uh, that's a tough place to be. So I'm not saying you just throw everything out the window and, and say, okay, let's see what, see what we've got for the future. But I think you've got to come up with something to sell Mm-hmm. Because this this offseason now gets more difficult for Tennessee. Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to say things are going to fall apart on them, but I, I think you've got to have something to sell to prospects who want to know what what are they coming into. You know, you're not only just finishing off this 2021 recruiting class that's mostly already in the in the boat. You know, they, they've got plenty of work still to do to finish that class, but they've they've gotten plenty of the work done with that class already. But you've got to sell this 2022 class for the next offseason on what you're doing next year. And, and I think you've got to give them the vision for that in these last four games. You know, you've, you've got to be able to, to show them something and, and it better not be a sputtering offense. I mean, let's call it what it is. They've scored 58 points in the last four games. That's less than 15 points a game um, in an era where anything, 30 points anything, often will lose a game. Anything in the second half? I'm trying to remember the last second half points. Uh, that would be... None against Kentucky. Uh, I don't think any against Bama, were there? I think there was one against Bama. I think they had 10 at halftime. So I think they got one touchdown in the second half in that game. But, but it, that's that's it in that, in that stretch of the last four games because Kentucky was the one touchdown before halftime. And Georgia, obviously, they were shut out in the second half. So, yeah, second half offense has been bad. Um, and, that you know, I don't know that you necessarily have to turn to Harrison Bailey right now, but – I think you've got to give you've got to give yourself a chance to to play your best and and what what they've done up to this point you know if there's a if there are some personnel changes you can make uh, specifically at the skill positions to to help with that I think you've got to make them I, I don't think Tennessee's offensive line played bad Saturday night you know they, their their run game was pretty pretty effective especially early in the game just no just uh, no so, big plays just no big yeah plays. just just no big plays they're just not making enough happen not explosive enough and that's that's somehow got to change if that means playing playing the young guys at receiver along with josh palmer you know maybe you do that maybe you let those guys learn through it if there's a way to do it maybe they need to simplify things that, that's one thing i've wondered about especially on on defense you know the defense wasn't the problem for three quarters of the game but for the third quarter it was i've wondered are they are they doing things are, are they doing things in, in a way that's too complicated to get young guys on the field quickly enough? Uh, because they, you know, I hear Jeremy Pruitt talking about, we're not executing well enough. We're making mistakes. That's going to happen anyway, but is there a way you can simplify things to get guys on the field? You know, maybe you do that to, to try to get some freshmen out there more, but I, I just feel like what they're doing now is just kind of beating their head against a wall with the, with the a roster, at least on offense, that's just not explosive enough to keep up with the, the offenses they're facing in the sec now. Because and this this is probably the last thing we'll talk about because we got to we're we're quickly running out of time here depending on what time of day it is here uh, talking about that but but I I think Ryan here we know this is a different year right we know that seniors can come back next season this is mm-hmm. this is a different so that that changes the calculus a little bit because you know you're trying to win games now and, and if things keep spiraling the way they are. This season, you have to win next season, or we know what happens. So you you can't just say, "Okay, just screw it, go with the young guys; they'll be better next year." Um, you can't just do that without thinking about it. You have to consider what you want to do this season and what you want to do next season. You have to consider that 
But that's where what you just said really piqued my interest because you said just kind of running your head into against the wall with this thing. You have to be able to sell not just for your players. Uh, that that's very clear. You know, for recruiting and for players, you you you, you want to. They don't want to come aboard something they think is a sinking ship. You you've got to give them something. But I'm not talking about just that right now. I'm talking about this fan base because. Yep. What I noticed after that game, and, and I might be wrong, Ron. I, I might have missed things because we're trying to do a billion things at the same time during a game. I, I'm seeing not so much rage right now as raging indifference. Yep. And I think raging indifference is worse than pure rage. I, I, I think, you know, there's a really good basketball program here right now. Um, you know, the Tennessee Titans are fun to watch. Um, you know, there's there's lots of options for entertainment right now. There, there is. And, and at some point, this program has got to get itself relevant and exciting again, or we're going to say it's a different program than what it's always been. It, they just, they, they have to get people excited again, and they, they have to do that. I'm not saying the window on that is, is closed, because I don't believe that at all. I, I think this fan base has been amazingly resilient and I think don't, you know, people talk about Vault Twitter all the time and, and those guys, a lot of them hate me anyway. And it's, you know, I, it is what it is. But this is an, has been an incredibly passionate fan base and has risen to the task and risen off the mat so many times. But at some point, it's just not going to happen anymore. And that's, as a program, you just can't get to that. You just can't get to that point. And I just wonder how much longer they can keep being so mediocre and, and not have a, a generational problem. Well, let's face it. I, I, th- I think they've already dealt with some of that as, as is, you know, in pre COVID times, you know, attendance has dropped, it's dropped nationally, but it's also dropped considerably at Tennessee. You know, the last game they sold out was in 2017. Um, so I think you're already seeing some of that, you know, there, there are people that are you know a little bit younger than us who've never really seen Tennessee at the level that you and I remember seeing them at growing up. So it's, uh, it, 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 it's already a problem. I think they're facing certainly in recruiting, but with fans you know, across the board. And yeah, I think the more you see this, sure. This is, uh, you know, th- there's the ones who are, who are getting more negative about things. Sure. They, they may already have feel like they have their minds made up on, on this coaching staff on Jeremy Pruitt. Um, you know, I, again, I don't think he's in any trouble this year. I don't think it's to that point, but I, I do think you've got to give fans some hope. Uh, going into next year because because you're not going to see a coaching change and you're almost guaranteed not to see a coaching change this offseason especially given the financial oh there's just i mean that year. that that would be cataclysmic right now yeah, they I just, they just, I just can't that, that would be a financial crater that when you look at the numbers that would be really really hard to absorb unless unless a, a couple of the richest boosters came together and said we'll foot the bill for all of this um, and right now people who have that kind of money, they've been hurting a little bit too right now lately because of the economy. So, so, yep. you know, it's just, it's just a really, really tough situation. And Ryan, I, I don't, I don't want to end this so negatively. I, 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 I don't want people, there was a time in the Butch Jones era where I knew exactly where this was going and I came out and I said it and a lot of people didn't want to hear it at the time. It ended up being true. Maybe the one time in my life I'll be right about something. My, my wife would, would attest to that. But I, I'm not there yet with this. But it is incredibly discouraging what's going on right now. And it just should not be happening. It, I mean, I, and, and, and I, but I don't, I don't want to be so alarmist 
to the fact that, or I don't, I don't want to be so alarmist and say this thing has reached the point of no return. I, I really do not believe that. Uh, and if I believe that, I would say it, you know, damn the consequences, I would say it. But I, I, I just don't, it's not in a good spot right now. It, it, it's it's got to change. It, yeah, and, and I think it's to the point, and that's, that's where, you know, I think you're going to hear more and more calls for, for Harrison Bailey to get a more extensive look at some point. Uh, you're going to hear more and more calls for the freshman receivers to play. You know, Jabari Small got a, got a more extended look Saturday night, you know, that, that he at least has shown some glimpses that, that are worth, you know, looking into more. You know, somehow you've got to give fans reason to be excited. You know, I, I go back to Derek Dooley's year one, uh, maybe the best example of this, and it was a, it's different because it's year one. They had some, some exciting youth on that team. But they turned it over to the kids down the stretch. They were two and six. That the schedule got easier and 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 frankly more boring down the stretch. So it was a perfect setup for it. But they turned it over to Tyler Bray and Derek Rogers and Justin Hunter, and they were fun to watch. And it gave people a lot of reason to be excited going into year two. If this core of this team, if the future of this program is even potentially Harrison Bailey, Jalen Hyatt, Malachi Wiseman, Jimmy Holiday, Jimmy Callaway, those guys. I, I think at a certain point, fans are just going to say, why aren't you turning it over to those guys? And if they're not ready to get on the field, why can't you get them ready? Why can't you fast track them? Why can't you simplify things to get them out there sooner? Because what you're throwing out there right now just isn't a very good product. And and that's that's what we're looking at. You know, it's four games. Again, 58 points in four games. That's And it's against yeah. Kentucky and 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 uh, you know it's against Alabama and Georgia during that stretch, but it's against Kentucky and Arkansas too. So we now have a pretty diverse uh, schedule to judge this team from, and it's just looking like it's not a very good offensive team right now, mm-hmm. and then something's got to change to to fix that. The one argument I would make against that, Ryan, and it's the only one I can think of off the top of my head, is that if if those guys are not ready to a point where they go out there and they just look terrible, and I'm not oh, talking, sure. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not talking about like you know, they, they make some mistakes because we all know they would and that would be acceptable. But if they go out there and just look abysmal, then there is absolutely no hope for the fans going forward. There is, That's true. You know, at that point, you go, oh God, the kids can't even play either. Like they're not, they're making mistakes, but they're not making big plays to make up for it. They just look lost. I, I mean, that, that, that's, um, that that would be a concern on my end because at some point, if you're keeping something, you know, in the bullpen, you've at least got people saying, "Hey, maybe one of those guys is Mo Rivera coming out of the pen." You know, <laughs> you you leave some intrigue, some mystery there. Um, yeah. But I, I just I'll be honest. Uh, what happened in this game in the second half is um, is unacceptable. It's Tennessee football. It's the third year of, of a coaching staff. Uh, it's a weird year, but it's weird for everyone. And you got to be better than this. You just you 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 have to be better than this. I agree. And, and then this is where I am. And this is where the schedule comes into play for me. Auburn's looked better the last couple of weeks. That game certainly is not going to be easy. I would have considered that maybe more of a toss up going into the season. Now I'm, I'm not sure you can look at it as that. No, it's definitely um, not a toss up right now. I don't think Texas, Texas A&M and Florida, obviously we expect to be clearly, you know, maybe even heavily favored over Tennessee. Those are going to be tough games for, for the Vols to keep up. So essentially anything that doesn't get you beat by Vanderbilt is worth trying at this point. Because what else do you have to lose? You're already ex- going to be expected to lose the other three games. I'm not saying you, you go into it just saying, screw it, throw caution to the wind. But that's that needs to be sort of the uh, in the thought process probably at this point. Just what, what can we do? Because you don't want to waste opportunities. You know, I, I think you, you don't want to feel like you're, you're wasting your time uh, in these final few games this year 
to develop some youth uh, and, and instead using reps on guys that, that maybe aren't your future. And, and if that's, I don't know that that fits the description for any of these guys, but clearly they, they need to try something different um, because, you know, it, even if they had played better in the second half, they, they were not going to score a lot of points in this game Saturday night. They were not going to blow out Arkansas with or without changes. Their offense was not going to, to just blow the, the doors off Arkansas. So they, they've got to try something to get some more life on that side of the ball. Their defense at least showed signs of progress, so you can kind of continue as, as is with that side of the ball. But just in general, you've got you to be sharper, and, and maybe you've got to consider some, some fairly significant changes in some spots to, to at least get something more exciting going and, and get more creative in some places that can maybe help you. Yeah, I tried to, to, to not end uh, on a complete downer for everyone, but but I I just don't think we can spice this up, Ryan. I, I think we have to it's call. I think we got to call this what it is and say there's a this is really 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 freaking bad and it's got to get better. It's a tough one to sell, and and hey, uh, as as down as we probably sound, I, I, I'm sure some fans out there are looking at it even worse, uh, <laughs> and and are and are angry and are looking for answers. So you know what? It's a worthwhile discussion and. Uh, We'll have plenty more time to, to delve into it the next couple of weeks uh, because yep. uh, it's probably not going to be much more much more optimistic looking for Tennessee fans against Texas A&M. It's, just a, it's a tough matchup uh, at a time when you're not putting up a lot of points. I'll end on, on this, this, this last quote. Uh, it's something that I have said to Tennessee coaches for years. I've said it publicly. Uh, I've written it. I've said it on podcasts. I've said it on radio shows and TV, and I've said it behind closed doors to people uh, in, in the program when they've been frustrated sometimes, and I'll say it again raging indifference uh, rage, raging indifference is worse than rage the best case scenario right now is that people are furious because if yep. people are not furious then you're you're lost I, I mean you you have to at least you have to at least be in their hearts enough for them to be angry with you because if they're not then then you're in a you're in a rough spot but i think we can end it on that ryan appreciate the time man absolutely thanks Wes. because it is late so i appreciate it buddy no problem and I appreciate y'all listening to this. I really do. I don't know how many people are going to want to listen to it after that game, but hell, you never know. It's all right. You can find all of us on social media, guys. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown's P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. If you want just Tennessee news, nothing personal, uh, just Vols stuff, get that at twitter.com slash govols247. You can also get that at facebook.com slash govols247, which isn't just Tennessee news, but mostly Tennessee news and uh, some other stuff that we think Tennessee fans will find interesting. Or if you want to go to the best, just get that delicious East Tennessee Mountain Spring Water just right from the tap. Go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to discuss Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting. Hey guys, so much basketball season. You got baseball, got Lady Vols sports where Maria Cornelius does a tremendous job covering uh, women's sports for us there, the Lady Vols. We got two forums for fans on there got the checkerboard which is uh, mostly discussion on men's sports uh, and uh, off-topic stuff and just wherever you like a water cooler of sorts uh, and then you got the summit uh, to discuss w- women's sports and lady balls and all kinds of other stuff over there too so uh, we got a big staff we pro- provide a lot of content and i think it is really really worth really really worth the very reasonable rate uh, that, that we charge for it. It's less than one mediocre lunch a month. And if you pay us full price for the site, you become a full member, all that good stuff, you get access to CBS All Access 
for free. The best package CBS All Access has to offer, the Rolls-Royce package. Every show in CBS's catalog, commercial-free. New movies every single month. Live sports all the time. Got college football, so obviously got SEC football, Tennessee football, uh, college basketball, SEC basketball, March Madness, the NCAA tournament is on there. NFL stuff, tons of good NFL stuff. Uh, you got UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, got some World Series of Poker stuff. You got all kinds of stuff, exclusive podcast stuff, everything there. And, by the way, also stuff from Comedy Central, stuff from MTV, BET, stuff uh, for the kids, uh, for Nickelodeon, it's the Smithsonian Network, all of that stuff, all that stuff, for free. That's $100 annual value in your pocket. No questions asked. It's one of the best deals around, guys. No one else can offer what we can offer, so please go check that out Uh, if nothing else you should hear from us unless something crazy happens sunday you should hear from us monday and uh, we will discuss where tennessee goes from here and um, if this can get any better we'll see Uh, if nothing else guys though remember basketball season starts soon see you Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.